You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. If people know about Hagar, they only know who she is because of her famous boss and his wife. Hagar was the servant of Abraham's wife, Sarah. And even though she had been the surrogate mother for Abraham and Sarah, they kicked her and her son out. So she ends up a servant without a master. A single parent, totally destitute, reaching a point of starvation. And that would have been the end of Hagar and her son Ishmael, except God sees them. This is the true comeback story of Hagar. Can you imagine waking up 4,000 years ago, checking your phone and having a news tweet from the royal family of the day, Abraham and Sarah, and here's what it says. I mean, it's a happy tweet. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Now that's, I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to put your smileys and hearts around that one, you know, and it's just so pretty and so perfect. And, and we, that's the way we can sometimes think of our Bible heroes. But of course, the Bible doesn't just tell us about what Abraham and Sarah got right. It tells us about what they got not so right. Three examples. Remember, for decades, God had been telling Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you guys, as a couple, a son through whom all nations of the world will be blessed. Really, the Messiah is going to come from your family line, God was saying. And, and of course, uh, uh, time went by, and, and uh, here's what happened. Sarai, Abram's wife, this is before their name change, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar, so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. You know, I remember when I went to uh, university in Hamilton and studying ancient law, uh, the law of Hammurabi. Some of you would have uh, seen something of that. It actually allowed people of this time to have a a, a child. If, If they couldn't have one on their own, they were childless, they could have a child through a household servant. So it was sort of legal, but God had told Abraham and Sarah, no, you guys are going to have a child, a special child. But so they sort of messed up on that one. And remember the time that Abraham lied? Twice? (laughs) But the same thing? He was all concerned that the uh, Pharaoh and Abimelech would... uh, want his beauty queen wife for themselves. And so he said, Sarah, just tell him you're my sister. And she was half-sister, so it was a half-lie. But anyway, it reminded me of a story of this uh, kid. You know, we're having these uh, weeks with our children over this summer, and they're learning. I was up there this morning just praying my way through and just seeing the uh, wonderful things that they are learning. But there was a girl that was in a class, something like that, and the teacher asked, Children, what is a lie? And one girl put up her hand. She said, a lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in time of trouble. (laughs) Well, well, that's what it was for for Abraham, right? Just sort of get me off the hook. Keep me safe. Lie. Tell that you're my sister. The third incident was not Abraham and Sarah's best moment either. All right? Here it is. On the day Isaac was weaned, this is the child that finally came along right on time as God had promised through whom the world will be blessed. The day he was weaned, Abraham held a great feast, but Sarah saw 
the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had borne to Abraham, Ishmael, was mocking. And she said to Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. And Abraham said, could you speak more clearly? <laughs> no, he felt bad about it. He had a discussion with God about it. And God reassured, well, I'm going to... God didn't say send him away, but he did say, I, I, I'm going to fulfill my promise through, through Isaac. So here's what happened next. Early the next morning... Abraham took some food and a skin of water, sort of a canteen of water, gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat, she went off, she went off and sat down about a bow shot away for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. I mean, she must have felt so used. You know, will you be a surrogate mother so we can have a kid? She agrees, does that, and then she's discarded, rejected, abandoned, destitute. And now, here she is, single mom with her son, totally dehydrated, out underneath the Middle East sun on a day hotter than Toronto last Friday. And Genesis says this single parent, Hagar, begins sobbing. And as you're going to see next, Ishmael, a teenager at the time, he was also sobbing. So they're both crying. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. We'll come back to the last line. But here we have it. I mean, can you imagine anything prettier or more perfect than this? I mean, talk about a comeback. Just, they're about to become two piles of skeletons in a Middle Eastern desert. And then God just comes through. And did you notice? You notice the lines? It says, God was with them. God heard, and that's the presence of God. God opened Hagar's eyes to see a well of water. There's God's provision, okay? So you have God's presence, God's provision. And then God says, I'm going to make your son Ishmael into a great nation. There's the promise. Does it get any prettier than that? They all start with P, Right? Presence, provision, promise, so pretty. All start with P. Just add your own smiley. It's just, just so nice. There's the comeback, right? There's the comeback, so let's all go home now. <laughs> it, 
I mean, if all you knew was what we've seen so far, you would say Hagar's comeback story is just get a mum and son both to cry, and God will initiate a comeback. <laughs> That's the only materials God needs to work with is tears. And, and, and we've seen in this series so far with Samson, when all you have left is God. Remember Samson at the end of his life, when all you have left is God, you have all that you need for a comeback. Remember Jonah? All you need for a comeback is to simply come back. Abel, last weekend, all you need for a comeback is for Jesus to come back and make every injustice from Abel's time throughout the history of the human race perfect. Perfect justice. Because Jesus is the perfect judge who knows all things. So for Hagar, all you need for a comeback is tears. It's even easier for her. But there's so much more to Hagar's comeback story than tears. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do now is show you from the years that led up to this, I'm going to show you how she provided God the three materials that he needs to work with to engineer a comeback. All right? How many of you, just think of the needs and the challenges that are in your life right now. Things that you're facing in your personal life, uh, you know, vocational studies, um, relationships, health, uh, you know, just people, need, people you care about. What are some of the needs and the challenges that you are seeing in your life right now? What, what are the materials that God needs to give you a comeback? They're the same as Hagar's. You've got to give God space in three areas. If he doesn't have the space, he can't give you a comeback. The first one is humility. And it's been the same for everyone we've seen so far in the comeback series. Moses had to lose his Messiah complex. Remember he killed the Egyptian foreman thinking, I'm going to be the savior of my people. And then he had to flee and became a humble man who only when he became a humble man before the Lord, could God then use him to bring people out of the slavery into the promised land? Remember Samson? He waited till the last moments of his life before he was willing to learn humility and say, God, the power doesn't come from me. It comes from you. It comes through me. And when he did, uh, God just powerfully uh, destroyed enemies that would have destroyed his people who would have brought the Messiah. And so, so Jonah, only when he humbled himself and did what God asked was the revival in Nineveh. Abel, he humbles himself. And that's why when Jesus comes, he says, Abel's blood thousands of years ago was still crying out to God from the ground, crying out for justice. Now, Hagar needs to learn humility because, listen, if you read the chapters before what we read already, you will find Hagar was not the best employee to have in your household. Hagar was proud, she was arrogant, and she was snooty to Sarah. And when her boss, Sarah, was snooty back, she said, I quit. And she ran away. But watch this now. Watch what happens when she's corrected, when the angel of the Lord intervenes. You know what happens? She is humble enough to do a 180 degree change. Watch. The angel of the Lord told Hagar, go back to your mistress, <laughs> as if that wasn't hard enough, and then submit to her. This meant Hagar had to humble herself big time. 
There are two parts to it. Do a 180. Go back. You know what that means? She had to go back to Abraham and Sarah and say, I was wrong. I own my stuff. You know, whatever you did, I did wrong. And then, you know, but by the way, you know, sometimes the only thing that keeps us from moving forward in what God has for us is going back and making things right with people. Go back. It's, it takes humility. And then it takes humility to submit, to, to live differently. In Hagar's case, she needed to change her attitude to her boss in the workplace. She needed to go from snootiness to sweetness. You know, I, I can't change you, Sarah, but I can change me and the way I treat you. Now, what would have happened to Hagar if she had not humbled herself? If she had, if, what, if, what if Hagar had said, no way, I'm not going back to that snooty snob, Sarah. No way. I'm not going to submit to her. No way times two. Hey, you know what? Hagar would not have been in our comeback series because there would have been no comeback story to tell. Timothy Keller, he says this, if you say, I believed in God, I trusted God, and he did not come through, you only trusted God to meet your agenda. See, see, the only way that we experience God's agenda, his way of doing things, his plan for our future, is when we humble ourselves. It gives God space to work. If we're full of ourselves, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the Guess what you won't have if you don't humble yourself? You won't have that grace of God. You won't have that presence of God, that provision of God happening. Now, notice, humbling ourselves is something we're responsible for. You know, uh, one of the apostles, or James brought that out very, very clearly. So did the apostles, Peter and, and Paul. They said it all in their own way. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will give you a comeback. He will lift you up. But don't anyone come up at the end of the service or if you're online, don't go on the, you know, ask for prayer and say, could you pray that God will make me more humble? <laughs> Doesn't work that way. How many know scripture says over and over, humble yourself. It's our job. It's our job. And when we humble ourselves, it gives God space to work. And you know what? Every one of us, whatever challenge or need we're faced with in our life right now, every one of us can do that. Every one of us can humble ourselves, give God space to work. What else did Hagar do that gave God space to engineer a comeback? Gratitude. She was grateful enough to give God the credit. Just look at these verses. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lairo. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Now that, I put that last, that next verse on because watch this. She wasn't just grateful for the moment. Oh God, you see me. That had to be so meaningful to this destitute, abandoned, rejected single parent because Abraham and Sarah had given her the boot and rejected her after many years of being part of their, their family business and even having a child for Abraham. Can you imagine how that felt like? No one cares about me, but God, you see me. 
Your eyes are upon me. That must have been so meaningful. But Sarah, or Hagar, made sure she did not forget this. Is that she, the well was called, you are the Lord who sees me. God sees me. I'm not going to forget this, God, what you have done for me. Do you know that is so important for you and me? If we are going to make space for God to do something new in our lives, we need to remember the good that he has already done. Right on? I mean, there are many reasons for it. Let's focus on one. It's when we remember what God has done that we have faith in our hearts and say, that's right, God, you show up, you see me, and you help me in my time of need. Then the next time I have a, a need, I'm going to be fortified and strengthened by that memory, by that gratitude. God, you always come through for me. We're going to end this service singing, your promise still stands. You've never failed me yet. Great is your faithfulness. Isn't that true? It just, it just does something to us to, to remember. That's why it's so important what we did with uh, David and Marilyn and Richard and others leading us a few moments ago. God, you're a good, good father. It's just good to read because we haven't been hearing that a lot from the news this week, right? God, you're not only good, but Jesus, you did this for me. You did that for me. As soon as we remember what the Lord has done, it builds up faith in our hearts for what we have need for him to do. Do you see that? Just, just does it for us. That's why the, the Old Testament psalmist said, uh, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his Fringe benefits, you know. He's just so good to me. So many things. That's why the Apostle Paul said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's just, it's just our go-to thought process. Gratitude. Gratitude. It just gives space for God to do more. Watch it. There's a beautiful picture in the first verses that we read of what uh, how gratitude works. It's an illustration. Watch this. God opened up Hagar's eyes to a well of water. Do you see that? He opened her eyes up to what was already there. How many? God has already blessed you in your life. Right on? <laughs> oh God, open our eyes to what is already there. How does that happen? Through gratitude through remembering the good things that God has done. It opens up our eyes to say, God, you're that kind of a God. You're a good God, and you care, and you're powerful. Do it again. Right on? Now, every one of us can do that. Every one of us can humble ourselves. Every one of us, whatever need or challenge we're facing, every one of us can have gratitude. What's the third material that Hagar provided God so he could engineer a comeback? Well, trust, trust. She trusted enough to take action. <laughs> you, did you, remember I said, remember that last line from that verse? All right. I know we looked at a lot of verses, so here it is here. His mother got a wife from, for him, for Ishmael. His mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Makes it sound so easy. Right? Want a wife? Want a spouse? Oh, no problem. Just go to Canadian Tire, get one. You know, just down the street, just go. You see... <laughs> Hagar's mentality was this. God, you promised that through Ishmael, you would bring about a great nation. If that's going to happen, he's going to need a wife. He's going to need children. And thank God he needs to have grandchildren, you know. So she's in that state of mind. So 
I would have loved to have been there because, did you notice earlier, she came from Egypt, and when she went to get a wife for her son, she went back to Egypt to get a, 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 a spouse, a, a wife for Ishmael. I would have loved to have been there. I mean, Scripture doesn't tell us if she went back to her own hometown where she grew up, but she went to some town in Egypt. You can just see her. You're just watching all the, you know, girls of a certain age and just watch them. Hmm, 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 oh. And then she says to all of them, hey, you, come with me. Where are we going? To a wedding. Whose wedding? Yours. I don't have a husband. Yes, you do. His name is Ishmael. Come with me, you know. Here's your passport. Here's your marriage certificate signed here and here. Come with me. (laughs) Brings up an interesting point, though, and that is this. The whole issue. Do you struggle with this? I've had to learn a lot about this in my own journey with the Lord. How to both trust the Lord and take action at the same time. You know? You see, some people, oh, just wait on the Lord. Just leave it with the Lord, you know? And then other people say, you know, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> you know, just, so, so what do you do? What do you do here? So let me give you three real-life examples of um, incidents that have been repeated in my pastoral ministry. People have come to me about these three areas again and again. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but I sure am thinking of Groups of people that have come to me. For instance, some have come to me and said, I feel that God has called me to go to, and they'll name off some far off place to reach people there. You know, to to help children there or to help people over there come to know Jesus or to help medically over there or whatever. You know, I feel God's called me. Would the church please support me financially? My first question is, right off, just right off the bat, is what are you doing here in Toronto that is showing that you have a heart and a skill for that kind of ministry? You know, how many know? Listen, if you have a heart to help people way over there on the other side of the world, and you're willing, if the calling is so strong to go to the other side of the world, it ought to be strong enough to, to move you to help the person next door. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you doing it here before we talk about doing it over there. And, um, and, and so often you can coach people uh, about that, just getting involved in outreaches of the church and, and ministries. Are you taking action now? You know, if they're thinking of doing something overseas, what short-term global impact team have you uh, been a part of already? How many know it just makes sense to try the jacket on before you buy it, Right? Before you commit yourself to and just finances to a long-term situation, find out how it fits short-term. You know. Uh, by the way, I love I love the way Pastor Dan is presenting these two global impact opportunities. Did you see them on the screen during announcement time? You can go to Mongolia, ends of the earth, or Thunder Bay. <laughs> Isn't that great? Anyway, I thought it was great. But do you see what I'm saying? If, 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 if you have a heart and a gifting for doing something, do it here. And then let the Lord lead. You know, take action now. Right on? No? I thought that was good advice. And then when some people come to me and say, Pastor Keith, would you please pray with me? 
I need to get a job. I say, of course I will. And we talk about what are they trained for, or if their heart is in one area and their gifts that God has given them are over there, then they're working over here. What about a pathway and a, you know, a training pathway to get them over there? We, we talk about all those practical things, but if they come to a point where they say, well, will the church support me financially until I get there? You know, then one simple question I'll have, because it's a matter of discipling people about this whole area, and I'll just ask, well, listen, were you giving to the church faithfully, the church that you're asking now to help you? Were you giving to others to help others? It often gets very quiet at that point. You know what I'm saying? But what does the Bible say? Give and it shall be. You don't give and it's not. Anyway, we'll leave that part. We'll just keep moving on here, all right? Another one is pray that God will help me find his will for my life. And that can be, uh, you know, the, can be career, vocation. It could be marriage, partner. And, and uh, it can be studies, uh, direction of a life. It can be something personal of, of a dream or goal they have. Help me, help me sort out God's will for my life. And you know what I'll, you know what I'll say to them? What are you, what are you involved in right now? Because watch this. God is experienced in the arena of action. You go out in the parking lot. Can you steer your car somewhere if it's not moving? If you stay in park, it ain't going nowhere, right? Well, it's the same with God. He cannot steer our lives unless we're moving. How many have some things in your life you know that are the will of God that you could move into? You know, living for him, shining for him, reaching out for him, serving others for him. Get involved in some ministry or some group that's going in the same direction you are with God. Serve and help out others. And, you know, it's amazing the stories I will hear of how God has orchestrated people to meet someone, connect with someone that was the very person that was strategic to their next step in finding God's will for their life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you have experienced that in this room. You know, here's the way A.B. Simpson put it. He said, we are so content to abide at the old level that God often has to compel us to rise higher by bringing us face to face with situations that we cannot meet without much greater measures of his grace. Isn't that the truth? Now, I want you to watch on video the story of someone in our church family who, you know, I mean, her husband died, all of her plans were shattered for her life, and yet she had a comeback. Watch to see if she provided the materials that God needed to engineer a comeback, all right? You know what they are now. Watch for the space. Did she provide the space that God needed for a comeback? My name is Carissa, and I grew up in Jamaica in a big household with my mom. My dad was here in Canada. We were poor. We didn't have electricity, so I'm like, Mom, when I get older, I'm migrating because I just felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I wanted more. I felt like I needed more. So the first time I came here, Pastor Keith was teaching and I'm like, yes, this is it, God. This is it. I will get saved in this church. I went back to Jamaica to get married and 
I felt good. I'm like, yes, finally, I'm getting married to someone that I know that he loves me. I love him and life is good. We're starting to count down the days that he's coming to Canada. 2014 was when he was diagnosed with cancer of lymphoma. I will never forget it was about October and by December, he needed to do chemotherapy. But in my mind, I, I was feeling confident that after the third chemotherapy that he would still be here. And he died January 2015. This relationship with God now is like a wrestle. So I'm like, okay, God, what just happened? Did I just get pranked? I came, I accepted Christ, and now my high school sweetheart is gone. But I know it's something bigger and greater, and God was about to use me. So every time I pray, I'm like, God, Use me for your purpose, God. Use me for your purpose. I went back to school to finish up my early childhood diploma and um, I was struggling. I feel like mentally I wasn't ready. And I came to church that one Sunday afternoon, I'll never forget. And Pastor Keith, his message was, how can God use you when you're quitting on him? That message was for me and I can't just ignore it. And I decided, you know what, I'm gonna just do my best. And I came and I told pastor about his message and how God used him to talk to me. And he's like, oh great, let me know your grade when it come out. I started praying harder, harder. That's why I now know that trials is sent to you for you to get in tune more with God, to pray harder, to fast, to just seek you more. So I took on the seven courses and in August of 2018, I finished all seven courses with A's and A pluses. The glory belongs to God. So I graduated back in October 2018 and when I walk across that stage, all I remember is how I've gone through so much, but God kept me. So if you're at a low point in your life, like all that I've been through, and you're saying, God, where are you? Never give up on praying and believing. The trials that you're going through is a part of your story. I thought I should be way ahead. I should have been married. I'm done with my master's degree. I'm traveling around the world. But I had a major setback. But a setback to me personally, but not a setback to God. He's there with you in the trials. No matter what you're going through, persevere through your trials. And just remember that once you persevere and you're obedient and you do your work, God will do the rest. Did you hear that she supplied God what he needed, gave him the space that he needed to engineer a comeback? How many heard humility? How many heard gratitude? How many heard trust? What about you? Your needs and your challenges. I, I thought of five different responses we can have when we face needs and challenges in our life. And, and which one best describes you? All right? We're going to look at five. Which one, you know, all oh, that nails me. Wh which one is it? What about this? I, I just leave it all with the Lord. God's promised to provide all my needs. So I'm just going to sit here and wait until he provides. What about this one? 
I take matters into my own hands and then ask God for his blessing. <laughs> How many? I just get out there and do it. Okay, God, see what I did? Can you bless that, please? <laughs> what about this one? I do what I can and then just ask for God to help with what I can't do. You know, I, I've certainly been guilty of that. You know, do your best and give God the rest. You know, I've even said it that way. What, what about this one? I pray for something, and if God doesn't quickly do what I ask, then I get on with it. You know, I prayed about this yesterday. Lord, you've had 24 hours. Today's a new day, and I'm taking matters into my own hands. What about this one? I do what God has said, and he helps me every step of the way, because without him, I can do nothing but with him, with him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You see, that, that, that's, that's sort of like, well, I can't do it without you. And you won't do it without me. We, we provide God space and then he goes to work. So, so whether you're online with us right now, you know the needs and challenges you're facing in your life right here in this room in Toronto. So, so are you going to give God the space that he needs to work with to engineer a comeback in your life? I, I, I just love the way, I love the way that Martin Luther King Jr. said this about faith, trusting God. He says, faith is taking the first step when you can't see the whole staircase. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? But how many, you know enough about God, you know, you know already I need to humble myself and remember the good things that God has done because that will give me gratitude and faith to believe and trust him that he's going to do a wonderful work again, right? Yeah, every one of us can do that. I'm going to invite the prayer team in a few moments to come up, pastors, elders, deacons, prayer team to come and, and stand across the front. And if you're one of those ones that says, I've got a need and a challenge, don't come and say, oh, I pray that God will humble me or I pray that I'll just have more faith. No, 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 no. Just come and say, I, I, you know, already before you get here, just humble yourself and be grateful and then just say, I need God's help as I take an action step, okay? And you tell them what that is. Here's what, I, here's what I'm looking for the Lord to do. I'm making space for God to work in my life. And you know what will happen? It'll be the same as Hagar. 4,000 years ago, God will do the same thing in 2019. We humble ourselves, and what will he do? He will presence himself there. When we are grateful, God will provide yet again. And when... We practice his presence and gratitude and get into a position where we say, God, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. You know what God will do when we trust him? He'll fulfill his promises in our lives. It, right where we have that need, where we have that challenge. How many are thankful that God still engineers comebacks when we give him space? Can you say Amen. Let's pray about this together. Lord, I'm so excited about what you've already done this weekend in our gatherings. What you're doing with the uh, church family and those visiting us here in Toronto and online. As we give you space. And we do that right now. We just say, I humble myself. I don't have all the answers. I don't know all that you should do. But I trust you, God. Any God that loves me enough to give their life for me through his son... 
I can trust that God. So we humble ourselves. And we praise you for what you've already done. The times you've proven yourself faithful again and again. It makes us want to trust you with what we're facing by way of needs and challenges right now, Lord. Oh, you've never failed us yet. Your promise still stands. Give us another reason, oh God, as we come and we, we pray for needs and challenges to say, great is your faithfulness. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.